0: The Biden administration sues Texas as the United States Speaker of the House visits the border, along with some local members of Congress. And it was Prince Andrew, not Harry. Thank you to my friend, Dawn Stenzlin, my dear friend, for correcting me, reminding me it was Prince Andrew, not Harry, with the Epstein allegations. Yes, thank you, Dawn. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. It's why I need her here. Thank God she's listening. But now let's turn our attention to uh, Joe Biden's problems with Hispanics, shall we? And uh, to talk about that, let's welcome to the show Wadi Gaitan. He is communications director for the Libre Initiative. Uh, Wadi, thank you for joining me here in Philadelphia. I appreciate it. How are you doing?
2: It's great to be on. Thank you. Good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon. I'm on your website, the Libre Initiative Right on the uh, main page there, Hispanics aren't buying Bidenomics. So before we get into all that, tell me about the Libre Initiative. Who who are you guys and what do you do?
2: Yeah, the Libre Initiative, we're across the country, including Pennsylvania. Uh, We believe, honestly, that when it comes down to the future of our country, when it comes to the future of our community, we need policies that advance pro-freedom, that empower individuals. And don't focus on putting power just in Washington, D.C., and in politicians. So what we do is we work with the community, make sure they're up to date with all of the policies going through Congress and making sure that they're involved in the process and advocating uh, for those pro-freedom policies. So uh, the topic of Bidenomics and the topic of the economy in general, immigration, health care, is one that we follow very closely and we're always engaging Latinos on the topic.
0: So tell me why you think it is that, that now Biden is trailing Trump among Hispanic voters. Uh, well, I think it's it's a two-part
2: answer to that. Well, one is that uh, when the presidency started, uh, Joe Biden and the White House really came out with policies, like I mentioned earlier, uh, that focused on growing Washington. What do I mean by that? I mean they focused on creating regulations uh, that they believed were actually good if, if people in D.C. could decide uh, how businesses, small and large, uh, can do what they do best, which is grow the economy and – it really employ Americans. But by creating these regulations that come out of D.C., they're really just creating barriers uh, for all Americans who are trying to build their business, create their business, expand their business. The uh, Same thing when it comes to healthcare policies, creating regulations uh, that stifle uh, innovation, that create barriers for people to be able to pick uh, who they believe is their best doctor or their best uh, service that they want to receive. Uh, so the problem was that these policies didn't allow the economy to grow at the pace that it should. The second mistake they did is when they launched this campaign around Bidenomics, they really wanted to uh, essentially take a victory lap and highlight what they believe had gone well, but it really fell flat. Uh, They they talked about prosperity, they talked about opportunity, but they talked about it to a community who was still facing inflation, people who still want to buy that first home, people who want to save for the college of their kids. People who just want to be able to have extra income and be able to take that vacation. Uh, And it fell flat with these individuals who are still looking for their leaders to talk about how we can actually increase opportunity, increase uh, growth. And I think for these two main reasons, Joe Biden and Democrats are losing support among Latinos and among all Americans.
0: I love it. I love everything you just said there. And I love I love too that you talk about opportunity. Like for example, I mean, K through twelve, educational freedom, something that Joe Biden does not support. He does not support educational freedom or opportunity school choice. No way, no how. And 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 that's key
2: for all communities. I mean, we really believe in, and I'll speak specifically for a second on the Latino community. Many of us are the grandchildren or children. Of, of immigrants people who came to this country uh, to work and th- we believe that education is part of that economic ladder but when we're not allowing parents who knows best than parents to decide where kids where their kids should go or how to best uh, leverage the opportunities that exist um, out there if it's education savings accounts in some states if it's charter schools uh, if it's not being limited to one's uh, zip code with open enrollment. I mean, these are opportunities that parents want to take a hold of, but when you don't have that support, uh, you know, from Democrats and from the White House, you're limiting something as essential as education to be leveraged to its highest potential.
0: Biden is now trailing among Hispanic voters by five percentage points, 39 percent to 34 percent, according to the new poll that came out just recently, USA Today poll. Uh, it's a very credible poll. How much do you think the, 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 the question of the border and border security or lack thereof, the open border that we're dealing with right now, how much is that playing into the thinking of Hispanic voters?
2: I think it's a key element. I mean, I, I believe that Democrats have lost credibility among Latinos when it comes to this topic. For many years, one of the issues that really attracted Hispanics to Democrats is that democrats would promise on immigration they would say we're gonna we're gonna tackle immigration reform from top to bottom but they never did and they always came back and said well it was republicans fault you know we didn't get it done because of republicans the latinos are tired of hearing those excuses and no longer believe democrats on this issue and now you look at what's going on at our southern border uh, where there's complete chaos uh, it, it's a crisis. Latinos also came to this country because of rule of law. And we understand that it's important to know who comes in and out of our country. We also understand that there needs to be resources uh, for border patrol. We, I had the chance last year to visit the border twice uh, with the Libre Initiative. Many of the people working along the border are Hispanics. They're seeing firsthand and they're talking to their family members here. And you've also seen a shift even within Hispanic media, on the coverage of what's going on in the border. And at the end of the day, that falls on this administration. Their lack of messaging on this topic, and then their lack of action, and their lack of working with Republicans to get to a solution to make sure that the crisis that we're seeing now is not something that continues to expand. It's something that is alienating Hispanics from the Democrat Party. They're seeing it more as broken promises.
0: I would think that if if people came here legally, it's got to be particularly frustrating for them to watch this, uh, this chaos at the southern border and think to themselves, you know, I had to do it the right way. And now all these people are just coming in and Biden's doing nothing about that. And this is this is a problem. I mean, you you guys address this at the Libre Initiative. You talk about some of the issues that our farmers face, for example, uh, the competition among um, among the labor force. I mean, all these issues, I would think, have to resonate within the the constituency you're talking about.
2: One hundred percent. Yeah. And Latinos, we we've done polling on this. And then we're also in the community talking about this topic when when they talk about uh, immigration reform. Yes, we recognize the need of visa reform. Our our system within our country is outdated, but that also includes Border security, we believe that many people who are coming over is because they're hearing about those job opportunities, many of them in agricultural and construction. Well, the reality is the United States continues to be a place where we're attracting workers, and there is in many industries a need for workers. But what we're saying is, can we do that through our legal system? How can we update our visa system so it's attracting individuals to come here legally and not attracting to folks to come here uh, unlawfully through illegal channels, through the border. So we believe that there does need to be reforms to the entire system, and right now there needs to be an address to the border. I think Republicans have done a way better job at providing solutions, putting solutions on the table when it comes to providing uh, resources, also changes to our asylum system, making sure that we have enough judges, because there are the individuals who come here, unlawfully believing that they're going to be able to enter the country and stay. But in reality, many people who are being apprehended at the border will not be able to qualify for the asylum system, and they're going to be sent back to the country of origin. So Republicans, at least, are being realistic when they talk about this issue on what are the solutions needed, what are the problems. If Joe Biden even wants to have a chance of garnering some support from Latinos, he's going to have to join Republicans on the discussion and bring solutions to the table.
0: Wadi Gaiton is my guest right now. He's communications director for the Libre Initiative, and I highly recommend you check out their website. It is thelibreinitiative.com. You know, as you talk about economic opportunity and freedom, I love the fact that you guys bring up the Democrats' agenda on climate change and all the regulations that are stifling economic opportunity. And, yes, stifling economic opportunity for Hispanics as well. That is something that you don't hear about. Yeah, 100%. I mean,
2: we really believe that in order to – look, we were talking about the economy uh, earlier – in order to make sure that families feel that they can continue to thrive in this country and be able to save for that future, energy is such a key component of it. I mean, how many stories have we heard of people's energy bill? How much have we heard when we talk about uh, inflation uh, at the gas pump? We really believe that in order to get back to a better place, we need an all-of-the-above uh, strategy when it comes to that. That doesn't mean that solar panels are bad. That doesn't mean electric cars are bad. We're, we're not against uh, sort of innovation to this space. If anything, we support it. What we're saying is we believe the administration has made the error of really picking winners and losers and, and, and coming after the energy that we have currently right now against uh, things that the prior administration uh, elevated And when it comes to uh, pipelines, when it comes to uh, empowering uh, people to be able to drill in new locations, being able to have access to this energy. So what we're saying at the Libra Initiative is let's tackle this from all of the above. Let's look at new renewable energy. Uh, let's look at innovation in this space, but let's not do what this administration has done is pick winners and losers. And and not only by, uh, they, they have only not done that by saying, let's create uh, sort of corporate welfare for certain groups, but they've also stopped key projects across the country that this has, in our opinion, really created more of a barrier uh, for families who want access uh, to more energy. And when we talk about the Latino community in areas like Texas, some of the best, highest paying job when it comes to Latinos is in the energy sector. So not only are you creating it, uh, again, a barrier for access to energy, but you're creating a barrier for good, high paying jobs in communities where you have hard working families in this space.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think you, you said that very, very well. You, you tied it into where uh, jobs are key, and, th- and that's excellent. You also – you guys do a great job on breaking down inflation and, and why this inflation problem in America is is happening. As I look at these poll numbers and I, I think about this from the perspective of, of Hispanic voters now choosing Trump over Biden, uh, Wadi, I think about this. And, 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 and the bottom line is it's still the economy, stupid. The inflation issue is 100% this administration's fault. And you guys lay it out very, very well. Washington policies. Congress spends and borrows too much money. The Federal Reserve prints more money to cover the reckless government spending and borrowing. The more money the Fed prints, the less our hard-earned dollars are worth and the more everything costs. And this is killing everybody right now.
2: It's 100% true. I mean, at the reality, every family has to sit down. And this is the old tale that all politicians tell, right? We all have to sit down, put together a budget. But the reality is that that's not what Washington does. When they put together their budget, they say, hey, if I have a pet project, we're just going to print more money. The reality is that comes back on us as taxpayers. We all know that when you know when we go to work and when we see that paycheck every two weeks, that at the end of the day, there is reductions being done Via taxes. The more this government spends, the more it prints, the more we add to debt, the more interest we pay on that debt. That's our generation, the next generation. That's going to have to uh, really pay into those, and it's hurting all. It's going to hurt all communities across the country. Latinos at a very high rate um, at our at our younger uh, working age, eighteen to thirty-five, we, we make a, a high percentage per community of those workers that means it's our tax dollars of latinos and all americans who are going to be have to be paying uh for that debt we need to get to a place uh where our members of congress feel a level of responsibility when it comes to this uh to this topic and 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 it's very uh relevant because at the end of january the beginning of february we're going to have to have the discussion around the debt limit again if you remember it was a discussion in december it was really just expanded Uh, or the deadline was moved to the end of January, the beginning of February. And what we believe is not only do they need to be responsible with this debt limit, but they need to put in reforms that keep them accountable when it comes to the budget so they're not governing from crisis to crisis or debt limit or government shutdown to government shutdown. They need to be responsible members of Congress.
0: Let me ask you another question while I have you. As we talk about education, you mentioned you know, Hispanics are, are 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 people that that law and order is very important to them. How much of what's happening in our schools with regards to the curriculum and you know the the, the efforts by the left to really uh, indoctrinate our children, a lot of this stuff around you know sex curriculum and transgender policies and all that. How how much of that is is affecting you think the Hispanic voters, leading them away from Joe Biden and Democrats and towards Trump?
2: Bo, I think I think it has. There's a two two part answer to this question. One. Uh, I think Latinos view this topic, or I know Latinos view this topic uh one through the prism as well, we're a very pro family very pro traditional uh very pro faith uh community Latin America as a whole is a very Catholic and evangelical um uh just countries that make up the area and then many Latinos when they come here it's it's one thing that uh, that it, i think it's it's a pride for our community so so we view it through that lens as well. Uh, And and then I think this is a big mistake that the left has done is they've come in and they've tried to uh, impose these views and these policies on our community. I think Democrats uh, got a little bit too comfortable with the Latino community. They saw that for many years they were able to compete uh, for many of their votes at a very high rate. and, And they felt that they were at a place where they didn't have to listen to Latinos, but Democrats felt that they now could impose their own uh, sort of woke, left-leaning agenda. And, and they've made that mistake. And I think that's also a big reason why these numbers uh, are reflected in these polls, where Biden is losing uh, this uh, support from Latinos. Latinos don't, uh, they, they prefer these traditional values that we've had as a community. And the moment you start imposing this woke agenda in our schools, uh, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, you're going to lose the support uh, of Latinos. It's a big mistake uh, the Democrats have made.
0: Yeah, well said, my friend. Well said. Well, listen, keep up the good work. Great to have you on. We'll have you on again to talk about this as we get closer and closer to the election. It's going to be a big year here in Pennsylvania. I know you guys have a chapter in Pennsylvania as well. Wadi Guyton, Communications Director for the Libre Initiative. Check out their website at thelibreinitiative.com. Hey, man, thanks for coming on and helping us break down this poll and uh, really making, uh, making us understand exactly how the Latino community is feeling right now. Appreciate it very much. Most definitely. Thank you for having me on.
1: The Rich Scioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT.
0: I want to tell you about my friends at Cherry Hill Vavo because I am so thrilled with the great friendship that we've had all these years. And I'm also thrilled that uh, I have a Vavo. We have two Vavos in our family, and I love them both. And this is a great opportunity for you to get to Cherry Hill Vavo and see exactly what I mean. They are the region's most accessible Vavo dealership. Minutes over the bridge on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. And right now, Cherry Hill Volvo is undergoing a massive renovation to their dealership. And in in order to serve you better, they're, they're doing this. I mean, Judith's father founded the dealership, and now they're ready for the big renovation. And so to do that, they have ample inventory ready for you today. The ample inventory and incredible incentives right now. Incredible incentives on top of the already incredible incentives. Cherry Hill Volvo is the number one place I recommend. And you're going to love driving their cars too. We have the XC90. It's the third row family car. Ton of cargo space. Took it up to visit Bridget's family in the Adirondacks. We we're nice and safe up there. And it's a very luxurious drive as well. I have the Care by Volvo lease program. I love it because every five months I can change to a different Volvo. I can keep the Volvo I have or I can cancel lease altogether. And one payment. One payment of Care by Vavo from Cherry Hill Volvo it covers my car insurance, my tire and wheel care, 15,000 miles annually, excessive coverage, wear coverage, and more. So it is a great, great program to get involved with the Care by Vavo program at Cherry Hill Vavo. Or maybe you want a certified pre-owned volvo at cherry hill volvo you'll find a great selection there as well and most importantly they stand with us in this age of cancel culture they sponsor our studio we broadcast live from the cherry hill volvo studios because judith krupnik yosef cohen and the entire team stands with us and everything we do on this program every day and the entire day on talk radio 1210 wphd so please go support them and take advantage of these incredible incentives they have right now to get ready for their renovation. Really great deals on Vavo's new certified pre-owned or the Care by Vavo lease program. You will love it at my friends at Cherry Hill Vavo where relationships matter. The Zioli
1: Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app.
0: I'll tell you how far Jimmy Fallon has come. My man Fela. I'm so proud of him. He's officially been named the host of Fox News Saturday Night with Jimmy Fela. It'll be premiering on Saturday, January 13th. So I'm super excited for Jimmy for that. Great work by him and uh, he is he's great as you know. He's a, a terrific friend of mine. So we'll have him back on the show very soon to congratulate him, but make sure you tune into that starting on Saturday, January 13th. Fox News Saturday night with Jimmy Fallon. You know what? He's such a down-to-earth guy. He's a cab driver turned comedian and cab driver turned writer for Fox News and then ultimately a radio show host for Fox Across America, which he does every day from 12 to 3. And now he's uh, hosting his own TV show on Saturday night. So good for Jimmy. I'm so proud of him and uh, great stuff. And Barry Sable just popped in the studio. You know, Barry Sable... Uh, Sable and Friends, Sunday mornings on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. One of the best shows on the weekend. We have some great shows on the weekend between Michael Pelka Saturday nights and Matt Rooney Sunday nights and Sable and Friends Sunday morning. we got some great weekend programming. And Barry and Owen and Pete and uh, Seth, they do a great job with their show, which usually airs Sunday mornings around 9 o'clock. But uh, check out Barry, Sable and Friends. Terrific show and... Yeah, the weekend programming on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, in my opinion, has never been better since I was on the weekends many, many years ago, doing any shift I could possibly do. But Saturday nights was my shift. Now, of course, it's Opelka's shift, and he crushes it. And then I did Sunday nights, me and Maz, me and Dr. Maz we used to do Sunday nights together, and now it's Rooney's. So he does a fantastic job as well. So make sure you tune into to those guys. Uh, but I'll tell you about a show that did not go too well today. That was on MSNBC. Uh, where Alicia Menendez is one of the anchors. Now, Alicia Menendez is an incredibly attractive woman, and she is the daughter of Bob Menendez, which proves that the apple doesn't always fall close to the tree because he is one of the most hideous creatures, I think. (laughs) And Alicia is quite attractive. So uh, she's lucky she didn't get uh, his genes. But she is uh, a, a huge lefty, which is why she's on MSNBC. She was filling in on MSNBC's Deadline White House. It was actually yesterday when the news broke that more charges were being leveled against Senator Bob Menendez, the corrupt senator from New Jersey, this time that he was helping the nation of Cutter. He was helping to enrich himself and his friends by selling out the United States of America to help Cutter. Now, I've told you before, two things can be true at the same time. Yes, Menendez is corrupt. But they also are going after him because he opposed Obama on the Iran deal and Biden, too, on the Iran deal. So that's really why they're coming after him. Otherwise, Democrats don't care about corruption, but they do care if you get in their way. And that's why they're going after Menendez. But he's still guilty as hell. Don't forget that fact. So anyway, so his daughter, Alicia Menendez, was sitting in for the regular host, Nicole Wallace. Nicole Wallace is a vile human being and uh, I think one of the most grating personalities on television. She's a fake former Republican. She never really was a Republican. She was in that John McCain world. But now she spends every day just bashing Trump and bashing you and bashing me and everybody else. Well, she was off that day, so Alicia was filling in. And just before the show went to a commercial break, she announced that a breaking news update was imminent. The breaking news update that was imminent was about her father, Having more charges leveled against him by the United States of America. So here's a little bit of the audio of how weird this was yesterday on MSNBC. Take a listen.
3: Thank you so much for your expertise and for spending some time with us. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with some breaking news right after this.
0: Now, at this point, they pull her out of the chair and they replace her with Ari Melber. They take Alicia out of the chair. So she doesn't have to talk about her dad being a corrupt SOB. And then all of a sudden they come back from break and it's Ari Melber in the chair. So go ahead. Hello, I'm Ari
1: Melber with some breaking legal news. (laughs) New Jersey, United States Senator Robert Menendez now facing new allegations in a second superseding indictment, which is filed by a federal grand jury from his DOJ prosecution. Those prosecutors there at the Justice Department now allege Menendez received gifts not only for allegedly helping the government of Egypt, but also for helping a developer, Fred Davies, get a multi-million dollar investment from a company with ties to the government of Qatar. Prosecutors also say Menendez introduced that same individual, Davies, to a member of the Qatari royal family. Senator Menendez has pled not guilty to all previous allegations in the original indictment. The developer cited in this indictment has also been charged and has also pled not guilty to those underlying allegations. This is a brand new superseding indictment. We'll actually have more on the story in the next hour. And the beat begins after this break.
0: (laughs) So they pull Alicia out of the chair and put Ari Melbourne in, and she ran off to get a snack or cry. I don't really know. Uh, What she had said in the past regarding the story is, uh, quote, I will not be reporting on the legal case. That said, my colleagues across MSNBC and NBC News, they have aggressively covered this story, and they'll continue to do so as they should. But she would not be the one to deliver the news regarding her father, Senator Bob Menendez. And I have to wonder how many... Children of Republican senators uh, have shows these days. Not many, but on MSNBC, of course, if you're the daughter of a corrupt United States senator who sold out the United States of America, they're certainly not going to let that stop you. And then, you know, there you go. But that's awkward. That's about as awkward as you get. Oof. (laughs) Oof.
1: They didn't put her back afterwards, did they?
0: No, because then the beat with Ari Melber just started after that.
1: Oh, how fortunate.
0: They went right to the beat with Ari Melber. By the way, breaking news, Henry Machette is on the Epstein list. I mean, he's on Epstein watch duty of the list. He's not on the list. He's watching for the list. Is the list out yet?
1: I'm not seeing anything Still here. nothing. Last Come I checked, which was a second ago.
0: They're definitely going to release it's it at 6:37. Yeah. yeah. It'll be 7.02 when it comes out. Just don't be surprised
1: if Sean's here to break the news and not me. <laughs> That's
0: fine. If, if Henry's hold off... <laughs> it turns out he actually is on yeah uh let's see we have some other uh we got some other audio Christy Nome I'm a big fan of her i I think she's one of the most uh, talented governors out there uh, also, I would love to see her as Trump's running mate. I really think she's got a lot to offer the party. I love all the commercials she did talking about moving to South Dakota. And uh, working there, and how South Dakota is open for business, and she defied all the COVID nonsense. She kept her state open, and she's uh, terrific. She doesn't like Nikki Haley, which makes me also want to like her even more. Here's Governor Kristi Noem scoffing at the idea of Nikki Haley becoming Trump's potential VP pick. By the way, Steve Bannon is warning that there are people within Trump's orbit who are pushing him to pick Nikki Haley. I hope to God he does not. I think it'd be a huge mistake. Tucker Carlson already came out and said he would openly fight that ticket. I think you would have a lot of people very disappointed if Trump ultimately picked Nikki Haley. I am not in that world anymore. So I certainly have no more input other than, you know, my voice on the microphone. But Christy Dome is in that world. She's very, very tight with with Trump. And this is what she said. Cut number nine. Let
2: me ask you that. I'd ask everyone mm-hmm. on here. If he picked Nikki Haley, would that
1: be a mistake?
3: Yes. <laughs> but if he picked her. I would tell him I disagreed with him, but then I would support the ticket because he's still the president and the president still makes the decisions. And, you know, I just I've had a lot of disagreements with Nikki Haley over the years, and I just don't know which Nikki Haley is going to show up every day. She's she's a different person, depending on whatever works for her political agenda. So I I just what I love about President Trump and what I think the American people love about President Trump is that he's just himself and he's just genuine. He's just a normal human being who. Tells the truth and gets up every day fighting for people. He has no reason to do this job other than the fact that he really, truly does believe in America. And he wants to put the people out there that get up every day and go to work, he wants to put them first.
0: Uh, I hope he would. I, I, she should, she'd should. be a much better pick than uh, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is a shapeshifter, as Christy Noam put it. But of course, the question is will Trump be on the ballot? Today, he officially appealed before the United States Supreme Court the decision of Colorado. Yesterday, he appealed the decision by the main Secretary of State to bar him from being on the ballot. No word yet if the Supreme Court's going to take up the case. I'm sure they will, but they have not officially announced anything yet. CNN asked the main secretary of state, you know, do you have any concern taking Trump off the ballot here? Do you think this might be a problem? David Axelrod, who's a very smart guy and a Democrat strategist, the guy who got Barack Obama elected, he thinks it will absolutely tear the country apart. He thinks Democrats are making a huge mistake doing this and they're feeding right into Trump by doing this. But the main secretary of state sees it a little bit differently as she was on with Wolf Blitzer and his beard. Cut number eight.
4: Do you have any concern... Uh, taking Trump off the ballot risks tearing, tearing the country apart.
1: My duty under Maine election law and the Constitution and the oath I swore to the Constitution is, was to look exclusively at the hearing and the evidence before me and make a decision based on the law. Neither political considerations nor personal considerations for my safety could enter into that decision. I had a duty and an obligation to follow the Constitution, as do all of us
0: who serve in government. Mm. So whether the country gets torn apart or not, she doesn't really care. She has no authority to do this. And I told you, I think the United States Supreme Court is going to come back and say that Donald Trump had no due process whatsoever, uh, neither in Colorado nor in the state of Maine. That's my prediction of what the court's going to say. Uh, Representative Elise Stefanik was discussing Claudine Gay's resignation and she has said this is only the beginning. We are going to go after these colleges, these woke colleges. They're DEI nonsense. You heard what Guy Reschenthaler said about it yesterday on the show. If you missed it, it's a podcast for you. Here's what Stefanik said about Claudine Gay's resignation, and at least really did. Uh, she deserves a lot of credit for this. She spearheaded this in a big, big way, cut six. I
3: think it became clear. I've said it has long been clear. Everyone knows it. Harvard actually knew it deep down, that her presidency was untenable. Uh, but I have been concerned that they tried to make this a political issue. It's not political. It's about academic integrity and moral leadership. And I'm a Harvard graduate myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that the motto of Harvard is a very tough truth. And the Harvard Corporation absolutely failed in their responsibility to oversee this institution they should have dealt with this immediately after the congressional hearing like penn did congresswoman does harvard's responsibility now end here nobody as far as i'm aware at the corporation or elsewhere has come forward um and refuted the answer she gave to you in that hearing do you have any sense (laughs) that that might be forthcoming it should be forthcoming. Uh, they need to show a new direction of leadership to protect Jewish students on campus who have faced physical assault, verbal harassment. And this congressional investigation is not going to stop because of the resignation of these university presidents. There are deep institutional rot in these formerly prestigious universities, whether it's their DEI offices or whether it's their anti-Semitism that we see raging on college campuses. So I think the investigation is going to uncover much, much more. This is just, you know, about the university president on top of the institution, but it's an institutional rot that we are addressing because these colleges get billions of taxpayer dollars.
0: And why they do that is just beyond me. Uh, Caller Lori and Ringo's yesterday. Lori's been a great friend of the show for many, many years. Actually, back when I used to do the weekend shows, I could always count on Lori for a phone call, which was great, when I was begging for the phones to ring. She made a great point. You know, uh, Joe Biden is a plagiarist. How come he gets to keep his job? She made a tongue-in-cheek point that maybe Al Sharpton is right. Maybe it is racism that Claudine Gay had to go because Joe Biden's a plagiarist and he he gets to keep his job. So here's a little flashback for you from 1987, his presidential campaign. A television news broadcast showing then-Senator Joe Biden's speeches, how he ripped off British labor leader Neil Kinnock. Cut seven.
4: Now to the controversy that has suddenly erupted around the Democratic presidential candidate, Joseph Biden, the charge that he has plagiarized parts of his speeches. Today, Biden was forced to take time out from his Judiciary Committee duties to hold a press conference to answer two charges, that he copied part of a paper when in law school and recently adopted as his own quotations from the Kennedys and other politicians. The story surfaced last weekend when the New York Times copied uh, compared a Biden conclusion in a debate in Iowa to a well-received speech delivered last year by British Labour Party leader Neil Kinnock. First Kinnock, then Biden. Why am I the first Kinnock in a thousand generations to be able to get the university? Why is Glennis the first woman in her family in a thousand generations to be able to get the university was it because all our predecessors were thick did they lack talent those people who could sing and play and recite and write poetry those people who could make wonderful beautiful things with their hands those people who could dream dreams see visions but why didn't they get it? Was it because they were weak? Those people who could wait, work eight hours underground and then come up and play football? Weak? Those women who could survive 11 childbearings? Were they weak? Does anybody really think that they didn't get what we had because they didn't have the talent or the strength or the endurance? the commitment of course not it was because there was no platform upon which they could stand and i started thinking as i was coming over here why is it that joe biden is the first in his family ever to go to a university why is it that my wife who's sitting out there in the audience is the first in her family to ever go to college is it because our fathers and mothers were not bright? Is it because I'm the first Biden in a thousand generations to get a college and a graduate degree, that I was smarter than the rest? Those same people who read poetry and wrote poetry and taught me how to sing verse? Is it because they didn't work hard? My ancestors who worked in the coal mines
0: in Northeast Pennsylvania and who'd come up after 12 hours and play football for four hours? No, it's not because they weren't as smart. It's not because they didn't work as hard. It's because they didn't have a platform upon which to stand.
4: Today, (laughs) Biden moved to confront the controversy that faces his presidential campaign. Jeff Goldman reports.
0: Well, anyway, you get the point. But it's just it's a great uh, trip down memory lane. Uh, Quick break. We'll come right back and uh, wrap up the show before we turn it over to the great one, Mark Levin. Do not go away.
1: Thanks for listening to the only show podcast from Talk Radio
0: 1210 WPHD and the Odyssey
1: app.
0: All right. The list is coming out. The um, Jeffrey Epstein list is being released as we speak, but it's hundreds of pages, and we're not going to be able to get through it all in the next uh, three minutes. So, but it, it is coming out as we speak right now. The New York Post just broke that story. Um, it said just... Um, Couple moments ago, and the release has begun. Long sealed court documents containing the identities of more than 170 Jeffrey Epstein associates began to be made public Wednesday night in a years old lawsuit involving one of the dead sex offender's accusers. Apparently, uh, disgraced Prince Andrew is very upset by this that this is going to bring up all the old stuff again about the disgraced royal who has lost his moniker of His Royal Highness. It was stripped away by the Queen because of his association with Epstein. And apparently Bill Clinton was referred to more than 50 times in the redacted documents as John Doe 36. Many of the references are to Bill Clinton, but they don't know if this is going to implicate him in any illegal activity. Uh, But nevertheless, this is all coming out right now. Uh, the Jeffrey Epstein files have been unsealed. We have the documents here, the most important John Doe's. We start with Bill Clinton, John Doe number thirty six whose deposition was essential to provide info on his relationship with Maxwell and Epstein. and uh, let's see here now. I some of the other names I'm trying to it's never easy when this stuff comes out and these in these things on in just moments. It's ago apparently
2: nine hundred and thirty four pages nine
0: hundred and thirty four pages. Okay.
2: So I imagine it's going to take a little while for people to go through it and for these names to um, actually become public. But we've got a whole minute left, so maybe
0: it'll happen. i I got a whole minute and a half left, too. Um, uh, g- come on, give me some names here. All we got so far is Clinton? Come on. Yeah, that's more. all I've got so far is Clinton. Come on. What do we got? we got uh, Jeffrey Epstein documents unsealed. Hundreds of pages from a lawsuit connected could be nearly two hundred names, prominent business people, politicians. Um, I, yeah, but they're not.
1: Uh, I'm having a hard time even pulling it up. I think everyone's trying to get on this.
0: Probably, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess we'll have a big show tomorrow. I wish. I wish. I, I wish I could. I wish I could have more time tonight, but we can't because we have to. The Mark Levin show starts at seven. I don't know if Mark will get into this or not, but obviously, only 30 seconds after the release of hundreds of pages of documents about Jeffrey Epstein's clients, the site crashed.
1: There we go. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's probably not, it's either it crashed because people are trying to take it down, people like Bill Clinton are trying to unplug it, or uh, it crashed because everybody's going on there right now. I'd Chris the Tucker's ladder. on the somebody said Chris Tucker the actor might be on there. Um, Bill Clinton's office released a statement claiming that the former president knows nothing about Jeffrey Epstein. All right well, we're out of time anyway so we'll uh, we'll we'll all read it. Over a thousand pages have been released. Uh, have fun reading it. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your night. keep the conversation going on Twitter at Rich Zioli. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: Rich Seoli, weekday afternoons 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the Free Odyssey app.